the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. You know, before we always start with the Paracast, we talk to our guests. So, of course, AR, or Alan Roberts, is joining us this week with Gina Randall. And I mentioned beforehand, as we're doing settings, I made the famous Howard Dean scream. Like that. Now, for those who don't remember, during the 2004 presidential campaign, he's a Democrat. He did that during the course of a stump speech because he did very well. People thought the guy was missing a few screws. And he dropped out of the election campaign like within the week. I mean, literally, he was gone. True story. Now, here in 2021, I think you can be crazy and people won't do that, I don't think. But, you know, that's how it goes. In any case... Alan, thank you for joining us on the Paracast. I know you didn't know what to expect. And after this, you may wonder whether we meet your expectations or not. But I wanted to go into a couple of things for our listeners, and you could chime in anytime you want before we get to the meat and potatoes in your book. And that is, as our listeners know, for several years, I did some Uber and Lyft driving to make money, but also to capture people experiences. You meet lots of interesting people. That way, in fact, one time I met a guy who boasted of being once, not anymore, the number one cyber criminal in the U.S., according to the FBI, number one with a bullet. And he's since retired and became a consultant. The problem with doing that kind of driving, though, is you're using your own vehicle. Now, I know you can rent a car. But if you rent a car, you literally have to work full time to pay for the car and then begin to pay for the work you do. So I was taking my little VW compact car and running the heck out of it. And just this week, I brought it in for repairs. Front end is worn out. And, you know, talking about control arms and struts and all that stuff, all that good stuff. And the rear is multi-link suspension for those into specs. And suddenly it's a couple of thousand dollars that I have to pay because I ran this car into the ground by doing that kind of driving. Which means, of course, that for a lot of people, you may just be working to buy a car and little else. Have you ever done anything like that, Alan? Taxi driving or Uber? No, never did. Consider yourself lucky. You, Randall? Oh, yeah. You know, that is very reminiscent of when I used to do out-call computer servicing and in-home music lessons. At the time, I had a, uh, like a Plymouth, I think it was, or something like that, a Chrysler, one of their K-car type models. And it, I just drove that thing right into the ground. Every penny I made out doing work with that car ended up going to have to buy me a new car. <laughs> so <laughs> it was kind of interesting, though. I met some interesting people, and it, it was pretty cool. I really liked that. Something I wanted to mention this week, just for our listeners, before we get right into the show as well, that that happened earlier was back in just at the end of April, I went outside after dark to have a look at the sky because i like to do that, being interested in UFOs like we all are here, just to see. You never know what you might see. And I looked up, and there was a star, and it got really bright all of a sudden. And I thought, wow, that's not just autokinesis. 
you seeing things that your eye wants to that this was definitely not that and then it got really dim again and i thought i've never seen that before and it wasn't too long after that that there was a news item and this is probably unconnected with what i saw because i don't think i could have seen what they reported although it was visible to the naked eye but the star itself isn't before this happened proxima had a major solar event the kind that would be like if it was to happen here would like kill everything on the planet and so since then the astronomers have been saying well if there was any life on proxima it has now just been wiped out it's no longer there anymore and this is of course the nearest star to us that the breakthrough listen people about a year ago heard a signal from or at least they caught a signal coming from that direction and haven't found any other explanation for it and definitely of technological origin coming from that direction and the same place that they want to send these little uh, robot probes on lasers proxima might just have uh, bit the dust there remember this is 4.3 years ago yeah maybe that yeah artifact that craft they were calling for help maybe Maybe they're underway here. Maybe there's something to this. Maybe that, you know, because we often hear these stories from contactees and so on that they're, you know, the planets that they're from are dying and they needed they needed to go out into the stars and find a new home. What do you think of that, Alan? I don't know. It seems to me I remember something about they discovered a planet around that uh, star. Yeah. Uh, it didn't sound like a supernova. It could have been, but... Uh, no, it was like a super flare that that happened. I guess these those stars are pretty unstable, and it, it's the kind of thing where these astronomers and astrophysicists are saying would have been so powerful. I mean, it wouldn't have even have mattered. It would have ripped the atmospheres right off the planets, and and that's on which way the flare was. I mean, the flare could be pointed in different directions. It could hit the planet, or could completely miss it. Like we had, was it 2013? We had a close call here. Uh, it wasn't a mega flare, but it was one that it hit us with a uh, at an at an angle that uh, if it was a direct hit, it could have knocked out all kinds of satellites and you know communications and things like that. But uh, uh, we came close to to something like that. I think it was I think it was 2013. It, it's really interesting you should say that because when I was looking through this, I ran across an article by some uh, solar astrophysicists who say that our sun actually has these recurring, what they're calling micronovas, and that this uh, event on Proxima could signal a period where our star is going through uh, a certain kind of galactic climate that can set these things off. So, I mean, I hope we're not in for it. Well, supposedly they predict what four and a half billion years it'll expand and swallow up the Earth, and Mercury, Venus, and the Earth, and possibly Mars. But <laughs> that's a long way off. I mean, then you got the same about that same time you got the Andromeda galaxy going to collide with our Milky Way galaxy, and uh, they they say the stars are too far apart. You know, too much the, the distance is too great uh, to, to warrant any collisions. But I have a problem with that. I mean, when you got like up to they estimated somewhere around 350 billion stars in our galaxy. And then they just uh, uh, came out with a new uh, uh, 
thing on the Andromeda galaxy. They thought it was larger than us, but now they, they, they said it's about the same size as the Milky Way. But when you've got two galaxies with hundreds of billions of stars coming together, plus you've got hundreds of billions of planets and satellites and asteroids and meteors, you can't tell me something's not going to collide in there somewhere along the way, but well, we won't be around long, I guess, to see that happen, but it's, it's a crazy universe, man, I'll tell you. Well, the thing, of course, is it's amazing about all these close calls. Yeah. And how close we come to repeating the movie Armageddon, if you remember that. Bruce Was it Bruce Willis or one of those people, or is it Ben Affleck? I forget. When people say Ben Affleck, by the way, I always think that insurance company, Affleck. Yeah. <laughs> right? Don't you think so? This way, well, who played Batman? Ben Affleck. And of course, that's very badly done. And I know one of the one comedian who did that that said something nasty on Facebook, and the original guy was fired. He couldn't say Affleck anymore. So I'm just putting myself out there, ladies and gentlemen. Our guest, by the way, I'm going to talk more about his book is A.R. Roberts, Alan Roberts. The book is From Adam to Omega. An Anatomy of UFO Phenomena. With Gene and Randall, you're in The Paracast. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. If there's a sudden disaster and you can't get to the grocery store or they're all out of food, what would you do? You wish you had emergency food to get you through the crisis. And that's why we're here. We're MyPatriotSupply.com, America's leading source of emergency food. Our food lasts for up to 25 years, and millions of families trust us for their disaster survival. Won't you join us? Unlike other food companies, we don't skimp on calories. Our meals give you more than 2,000 calories per day. Why? Because that's what you need to survive any challenging crisis. And right now, you can save $50 on our popular four-week emergency food kit. Just go to MyPatriotSupply.com and place your order. We ship fast, two to three days max. And your food arrives discreetly right to your door. So order today and save $50 at MyPatriotSupply.com. That's MyPatriotSupply.com. 
Frustrated trying to get business capital? Want to take the slow process and rejection out of the equation? GCNloans.com removes the slow, irritating approval process. Instead, get quick, simple funding. Powered by David Allen Capital, 80% of our pre-qualified clients are approved in days. Pre-qualify at GCNloans.com and get your money this week. It's that easy. GCNloans.com. That's GCNloans.com. Schools are opening. So much opportunity to share not just memories of 2020, but germs. Worrying about your child bringing a cold or flu home is a thing of the past. Today, we have to be concerned about COVID. That's why you need to be sure your kids are protected in their school with the one-of-a-kind patented Safe Air Network equipment that continuously decontaminates not only air, but all surfaces. 99.9% decontamination in three minutes to begin with. And then continuously, so if any of the air or surfaces get recontaminated, no worries. Safe Air Network is not only the only system that cleans air and surfaces, it's chemical-free and 100% safe to use in an occupied room. The equipment is plug and purify, the easiest equipment to use as soon as it is received. Contact Safe Air Network now at safeairnetwork.com. That's safeairnetwork.com. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I started fighting the IRS over 40 years ago when they tried to seize my mother's house. I sued the IRS and won. I beat the IRS then, and I've been beating them ever since. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I've helped thousands of people deal with tax problems they thought might never be solved. I can help you too. If you owe taxes you can't pay, don't wait another day. There's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So we've been enjoying our introductory session with Alan, talking about what's out there in space, whether, you know, with all those planets and other things going on, how likely and more likely it is that there are beings out there who might be smart enough or stupid enough to come to America or some or to Earth. I don't want to think coming to America because then there's that Eddie Murphy film. But you have to think here. It's quite possible. Now, I've always presented some skepticism about the origin of UFOs because we don't have the final proof. But your book, Alan, this is revised and updated. When did the original come out? Uh, it came out in 2012 originally. But a lot of that information now has now been outdated. and So much new information has come out since then. I, I've had two other books in between, but uh, From Atom to Omega and Anatomy of UFO Phenomena is uh, essentially... It's almost like an encyclopedia of, you, of the UFO issues. There are all kinds of issues involved in this thing. So, uh, But I, I tried to put it together in three sections. The first section has to do with pretty much uh, proving to the public that the, the UFO situation does exist. They, they are out there. Part two is the biblical connection, and that's a very important part of it. There's a, and part three deals with what's going on today and, and, and really in order to learn, out, to learn what's going 
on today, you really have to learn a little bit more about what was going on in the past, particularly during the 4,000-year period of the biblical era. And that, that part, when I got into that as part of it in my research, that was mind-boggling. And there's so much, there's two sides to every story. And, and I state throughout the book, I'm presenting evidence that suggests this or suggests that. But evidence does not necessarily constitute proof. So I'm leaving it up to the reader to judge the evidence based on its merits and you know, form their own opinions and conclusions. But uh, I'm pretty much open-minded on, on everything that I put in that book. But the volume of evidence, both circumstantial and factual, I mean, it's so overwhelming. And you, you, won't, you almost have to. Um, it, it, it promotes a very logical scenario of what's going on, what has been going on for the last several thousand years. But like I say, I leave it up to the reader to judge the information based on its merits, form, form their own opinions and conclusions. But I think a lot of people will probably change, uh, reevaluate re their beliefs <laughs> about the subject. That's my, that's my hope. And I, I made a prediction in the first book that disclosure was coming. Uh, but I didn't, it's, it's already started this, this past year, uh, the uh, Pentagon and the government releasing these videos of uh, UFOs uh, on uh, Navy jet radar. They were being tracked by uh, radar and Navy jets over the Atlantic and the Pacific. And this has started a lot sooner than I expected. But the major disclosure, I believe, has to do with the religious issues. And before they will disclose that, I think it's maybe could be 50, maybe even 100 years before that, that information is disclosed, because religion, to a lot of people, it plays a major role in most people's lives today. And if the government was to come out and say that this whole religious thing has been a, a, an extraterrestrial sham, I mean, that would blow religions out of the water all over the world. And, and you know how fanatic you know, some people are today about their religious beliefs, so... And they've got to be psychologically desensitized or be prepared to accept this information. This is my theory. I'm not saying it's the truth. It's just it's my theory. And uh, when once that information comes out, I think it'll be to the point where most people will, well, it won't cause any major problems at that time because most people will have taken this information. Uh, it will be, I, I believe it will probably be part of their general acceptance of what's going on there. They'll already be aware of this and it won't be, it won't create any major problems. Yes, but you know, the concept of alien visitors is so much a part of our pop culture. You know, yeah. Superman's an alien visitor, right? He's from a, another planet. We don't know what kind of religion he has. Actually, we do with the Superman legends, but he's an alien visitor. And in fact, some of the films, the darker films of Superman depict our reaction to having a super powerful man here. Will he be regarded as a religious figure or something to be despised? You never know. Even the Superman and Lois TV show is going to explore that in future episodes. So they're trying to reflect our culture. Comic books reflect a lot of pop culture. But we have Star Trek. We have Star Wars. So having aliens out there is part and parcel, even Stargate, because Stargate originated with recovery of an ancient artifact, the Stargate, going back to biblical times, again, reflecting our culture. Don't you think that is helping to improve 
our acceptance of life in outer space, or do you still think it's going to be a real problem for organized religion? Well, no, I think it's a, it's a great step forward in, in making the people public aware that the UFO phenomenon is real, that the aliens are here, we are being visited. But, like I say, the religious aspect, if my ideas are correct, and I'm not saying they are, what was going on during, during the biblical era would blow religions out of the water all over the world if that information was disclosed. And the government knows what's going on, I'm sure. And, it, and it's a very good possibility they are involved with uh, more than one species of aliens from all the information that I have collected. But again, that, that information is basically circumstantial because there's, I have no way to prove it. People in government probably do. Take, take somebody like Bob Lazar. Uh, I'm sure you're familiar with him. He's uh, certainly a very controversial person. And a lot well, of people don't really agree with anything he says. Well, the thing is with Bob, I had my doubts about his credibility because of um, they couldn't verify where he got his education, that sort of thing. But the fact that he took... Uh, um, I forgot his name. The uh, Learjet, John Lear. He took John Lear's father founded the Learjet Corporation. He took John Lear out into the desert with some other people when he was working out there at this S4 uh, location. Uh, And he knew when they would be testing the craft that he was working on. And Lear swears to God in 1989. The thing appeared at precisely the time Lazar said it would. It did exactly what he said he was going to do. It came up above the mountains, moved around a little bit, and then dropped back down out of sight. Lear swears to seeing that. He swears it was a disc-shaped craft that he saw. But then how, how would he know the, the schedule of these test flights unless he knew something about what was really going on out there? But then it's after that he, he, he really... Uh, shook up the scientific community when he said the the basic uh, power behind these UFOs is uh, what do you call it? element 115. Now, for 14 years, the scientists criticized him. They called him a loony tune because no such element existed on the periodic table, and it was impossible. It was an element that was impossible to create. Hey, let's break it here, Alan, and then we'll continue in our next segment. Alan Roberts, Gene Steinberg, J. Randall Murphy are in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. No other network provides the level of customer service we do. When it comes to radio advertising, we are your one-stop shop. And no matter how big or small your business is, we can help. Email us at advertise at GCNlive.com and an experienced advertising executive will help you take the first step towards driving more customers to your business or website. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. 
Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. SilverLungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs generator and lung delivery system at SilverLungs.com. That's SilverLungs.com. USA Radio News with Dan Naraki. President Biden spoke with both Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and Palestinian Authority President Mahmoud Abbas on Saturday as the violence in the area continues to escalate. The calls coming as an Israeli airstrike destroyed a building in Gaza City that housed the offices of several international media organizations. In his call with Abbas, Biden urged Hamas to stop firing rockets into Israel, while underscoring his commitment to a negotiated peace between the parties. He gave Netanyahu his strong support for Israel's right to defend itself in their call, but also raised concerns for the safety of journalists in the area after Saturday's destruction of the Gaza office tower. And nearly half of all U.S. adults fall into the category of fully vaccinated against COVID. The latest CDC data shows that 46% of Americans 18 and older have been fully vaccinated, with nearly 60% receiving at least one dose. You're listening to USA Radio News. As Congress continues to work on President Biden's infrastructure proposal, a debate over what exactly is infrastructure has begun. Many Republicans have proposed focusing on core infrastructure like roads and bridges, while the president's plan expands the definition to include things like child and elderly care. Representative Peter DeFazio agrees with the president's wide definition. The Oregon Democrat tells CNN why he believes those things should be considered infrastructure as well. It goes to broadband, it goes to drinking water, uh, you know, it goes to, I mean, the issue of child care. Uh, we've got a heck of a lot of single parent families out there. We use, you know, women uh, in the workforce are critical uh, to the future of America. And, you know, if they can't afford childcare, they can't find decent childcare, they can't get into the workforce. So that, I think, is a key component. My background happens to be in gerontology, and we're pathetic in the way we treat our seniors, to tell the truth. Uh, you know, we'll pay to institutionalize them, but we won't pay to keep them in their homes. This is USA Radio News. Is your child defiant, independent, annoyingly inquisitive? After a long, hard day of following the rules, who wants to deal with troublesome kids? 49% of children suffer from Oppositional Defiant Disorder, or ODD. Symptoms of ODD include independent thought, rampant creativity, and failure to submit to authority. But now there's a solution. The good people at Pilfer can help you with their time-release, once-daily capsule, Compliacin. Your child won't be able to form his own opinions, let alone express them. It maintains your child's ability to go to a state-run school and perform simple tasks around the house. You won't have to worry about parenting, and the school won't have to deal with your kid asking questions. Compliacin. You'll go from this. To this. Good morning, Mother. I love going to school. And this week we're learning all about how the government is our federal family and they're here to help us. Compliacin. Talk to your school psychiatrist and ask for it by name. This is Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. So, Alan, you're describing here... We're going back to John Lear and Bob Lazar. 
an element supposedly not in the periodic table, but, and you're going to answer that but. Go ahead. A scientist in Dubna, Russia, and also the Lawrence Livermore Institute in California came out with an announcement that they created a, I guess, a stable version of element 115. They, they gave it the temporary name of un, Unpentium because it had to be, before it was officially recognized, it had to be uh, verified by other scientists. And then it was a few years later, um, Swedish scientists came out and announced that they had created element 115. It was official. Now it appears on the periodic table uh, of elements. And how would Lazar know about this? I mean, years ahead of time, when scientists kept saying it was impossible to create, it couldn't exist, yet it did exist. How did he know this unless he was involved with researching or doing back engineering this UFO out of the uh, S4 complex, which is in the Area 151 section of uh, Nellis Air Force Base? So I have to give him credit there because he knew about this long before it was officially recognized, years before. To me, that gives him some credibility. And even in, in, he, he kind of avoids the, the subject now. He's trying to stay out of the, the limelight as far as this UFO stuff is concerned. But uh, George Knapp managed to get him to do a, a couple of recent interviews in the last few years. He's, his comportment during his, uh, his interviews on television where he was, um, he never showed any signs that he was lying. He, he stared at the camera, direct eye contact. Uh, he spoke with authority, and, and you almost have to believe what he was saying. But then, like I say, coming out with the knowledge of this Element 115 and, and showing John Lear and some other people before he got caught, and, uh, that he knew knew about this craft he was working on, and he knew when they were testing it, the time he would they were testing it, the days, and he took these people out to to see it for themselves. Of course, he got caught, and then then he was threatened, they threatened his life, and then him and his wife's life. That's when he decided to go public. Uh, he contacted George Knapp out there, KLAS TV in Las Vegas, and uh, and then uh, the interviews that followed kind of put him in the spotlight and you know he's like I say in all the interviews he did he, he seemed perfectly you know to me he, he appeared credible I've got to give him that and regardless of what other people met some people that haven't followed him or got into all of the uh, things he did in the background and how he got the job and all that sort of thing he he comes across as really being credible yeah well uh, Lazar yeah definitely like Gene says a controversial figure out there uh smart guy for sure i mean this is a guy that you know had his own particle accelerator and built his own jet car and you know if looking at a blank spot on the periodic table could probably fairly easily come up with the notion that maybe that's what they use and uh maybe was following some of those you know really early papers on the road to discovering moscovium and yeah, I don't know if they tried to discredit him, but he's got a couple of, you know, counts for selling illegal chemicals. And Stanton figures the guy just really is not, you know, completely telling the truth about everything. And and personally, I think that even if he did work out there, he didn't have access to everything that 
you know, he claims he does maybe enough. Like I, I think Kevin D Randall and I kind of agree on this. Like, you know, maybe he's, he saw something off in some hangar somewhere and, and was in and the know enough to know kind of what was going on with it, but not all the gory details like he says he did. But, but I don't know who knows. I'm not there. I don't know. All I know is, you know, from all the, uh, the all the the videos he's done on these documentaries and what I've read about him and so forth, you know, that's my opinion. That and I could be wrong. You know, I could be wrong. I'm, like I say, you know, I'm not uh, everything I put in that book. I, I state that uh, it's all theory, and uh, I leave it up to the the reader to to form. Yeah. I mean, there's something there, and he deserves a place in it definitely within the books, because if nothing else, he's like a part of the culture. He, he's, he's written books, he's made these extraordinary claims, and it's possible that what he's saying, there's a lot more truth to it than some people think there is. And, I, mean, I mean, I certainly do believe that the the military knows a lot more about what's going on with alien visitation than we do. And prior to the show, we got into talking a little bit about that uh, because you yourself were apparently in the Ground Observers Corps and have seen these things for yourself. True. And you can't, the thing is, you can't believe everything you read about UFOs. I'll give you a good example of that. Uh, When I was in the Ground Observer Corps. One morning, I, I'd go up on Friday night. I had my mother's permission. I was only 15 years old. I'd stay all night. I, I would stay till after dawn. And one morning at uh, dawn, uh, I looked out to the east, and I see this. It looked like the sun. And the sun was still down below the horizon. Here's this glowing uh, orange orb hovering in the, in the sky. Said, what the hell is that? Well, uh, Jim Roddy, who was the news director at WEAV Radio up in Plattsburgh, and him and Art Pierce, the newscaster, they stopped by so many times in, in the weeks that, uh, when they were building the Air Force Base because people all over town were seeing weird things in the sky. So one, this one morning, Jim Roddy stopped by the post on his way to the radio station, and he sees this thing, too, and he's looking at it through the binoculars. Now, he thought, I think he probably didn't have the focus correctly, because to him, he said, it looks like an inverted dessert dish. To me, it looked like a round, roiling, glowing orange orb. Well, anyway, uh, he wanted me to call it in, and I was hesitant on doing so, because uh, uh, we were getting a lot of negative publicity from the reports that uh, some of the other observers, the older people during the day, were seeing things up there too. But just just to interject here briefly, this would have been about in the mid nineteen fifties, right? Nineteen fifty five. Yeah. And uh, well, he he urged me to call in, so I did. And um, now the 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 filter center that I called in our aircraft reports to was down in Albany, New York, about one hundred forty miles to the south. Uh, they contacted St. Albans Radar Station, which was just northwest of us, uh, across uh, uh, north, uh, north, northeast of us, across Lake Champlain. And uh, they had nothing on the radar. And they tried to patch me through to the station, but some kind of a glitch that it couldn't be done. So they told me if the thing moves, changes, and it does anything, 
call us back. Uh, nothing they could do at that point. I said, okay. Well, Jim left to go to the radio, radar, radio station, and I kept watching this thing. As the sun started to come up over the horizon, this thing started to get smaller and smaller, and diminishing in size, and pretty soon when the sun was up, it had disappeared completely. That's when I realized that was a sun dog. Now, it's just a coincidence that two weeks before this, I was in the barbershop getting a haircut. That's when I had some hair. Um, and I was waiting for my turn to get, to, to get my hair cut. And I picked up a science magazine. It was in Iraq there. And I, they had an article on sun dogs. And I just um, just started to read it. And I got interested. And then I realized what it was. Uh, ice crystals in the atmosphere usually appear um, in the early morning or sometimes in the evening before sunset uh, or after sunset. Uh, this, there were, ice crystals are reflecting or refracting the light from the, the sun that was just still down below the horizon. Let's do our break here, Alan. We'll have more to come. Okay. On the other side with Gene and Randall, you're in the Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right, we cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. SilverLungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs generator and lung delivery system at SilverLungs.com. That's SilverLungs.com. 
Join me, George Norrie, for the Worldwide Contact in the Desert Virtual UFO Conference, June 25th to June 28th. Contact in the Desert is an epic weekend of adventure jam-packed with exciting explorations into UFOs, ancient civilizations, AI, crop circles, forbidden archaeology, disclosure, and the newest evidence of ongoing contact, sightings, and leading-edge science. This amazing weekend delivers more than 130 presentations and special events showcasing 67 speakers from all over the world with two extra weeks to view your favorite leading experts, including Avi Loeb with Clyde Lewis, Linda Moulton Howe, Paul Hellyer, John Lear, Russell Targ, David Childress, Doc Wallach, and more. With breaking articles in the New York Times and acknowledged naval sightings, and more importantly, the new release of classified documents on the day of the soft opening of Contact in the Desert, we are your source for inside information. Join us June 25th at contactinthedesert.com to get your tickets today. Make contact, contactinthedesert.com. Tahibo Tea Club's original pure Pau Arco Super Tea comes from the only tree in the world that fungus doesn't grow on. As a result, it naturally has antifungal, anti-infection, antiviral, antibacterial, anti-inflammation, and anti-parasite properties. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system. And it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. A one-pound package of tea is $34.95 plus shipping. To order, please visit ShopSuperTea.com. That's Shop, S-H-O-P, Super, S-U-P-E-R, T-T-E-A, dot com. So the complete website is ShopSuperTea.com. Or call us at 818-984-6100, Monday through Saturday, 9 to 5, California time. That's ShopSuperTea.com at 818-984-6100. This is Leslie Kane, and I'm with the Coalition for Freedom of Information, and you are listening to the Paracast. Well, I'm seeing here, Alan, that you're a couple of years older than me, evidently, and I want to ask you how old. 81. Oh, mere lad. Yeah. Okay, so you're talking about this magazine, is it? The article on Sundogs, yeah. Sure. So that's when I learned about Sundogs. And that's after this thing finally disappeared. That's when I realized what it was. Well, here's the thing. About six months later, a friend of mine comes up. He says, oh, I see you've got your name in one of Donald Kehoe's UFO books. I says, he says, about the sighting you had up there. I said, what sighting? Well, he, went, he brings the book out and shows it to me. Now, Kehoe has this article on sighting different sightings that people had. And he's talking about this inverted dessert dish. <laughs> this is what Jim Roddy described it when he looked through the binoculars. How he got wind of this story, I'll never know. I think Jim Roddy probably had told somebody that was involved in UFO research about this. And, uh, and somehow the story got to um, Kehoe, and he printed it in the book as an authentic sighting. And I said, no, that was just a sundog. Now, Kehoe or his people that did his research or whatever, I was never contacted to get my version of his story. I have no idea how he got wind of this, except that I think maybe Jim Roddy happened to talk to somebody involved in the research and told him about that. But the thing is, it was presented in the book as a legitimate setting, and it was only a sundog. If any of Kehoe's researchers had contacted me, I would have said, no, that was a sundog. 
Now, okay, Alan, but I mean, now I'm starting to feeling like, you know, feel like a victim of the Robertson family or where, you know, it sounded like you had this, this pretty cool sighting and, and I was all looking forward to hearing it. And, and then it, oh, but it was just a sun dog. Like, what about the real thing? Have you seen anything that wasn't a sun dog that can't be explained by mundane daily phenomena or craft or what yeah. have you? I'll mention a couple of them that I had when I was in the observatory. One night, there was nine people came up to the post. Professor Rusterholtz, who was the astronomy teacher at uh, Plattsburgh State Teachers College at the time, there was uh, a local dentist. The professor came up with a couple of students. So there were three people there. There was a, um, a retired Air Force pilot and his person who was his navigator. I guess he was a B-29 pilot during the war. And him and his what was his navigator and neighbors, and then they came up. Jim Roddy and Art Pierce from the radio station came up. And the sergeant from the filter center down in Albany came up to see if he could explain what was going on up in Plattsburgh because all these people, obviously all these sightings that were going on up there and with the new Air Force Base and whatnot. That night, it was a very overcast night. I mean, clouds were heavy, thick, and low. I mean, it was no breaks in the clouds at all. Now, I was calling in a routine aircraft report. I was inside the post. The post was up on the roof of Physician's Hospital, the highest point in the city. So we had a good view all around. I was calling in this routine aircraft. It was a commercial jetliner going, I believe, from New York to Montreal. And just as I was about to hang up the phone, I heard somebody outside say, what's that? And I turned around and looked out the door of the post, and here's this bright, strobing white coming up from the south and it was below the overcast and it was moving. I mean, this thing was, well, it looked like it, it was either one strobe light, just tremendously faster, with two strobe lights side by side going on and off. One, That's what it looked like, too, one going on and off in that sequence. So I immediately, uh, uh, I hadn't hung up the phone. I said, the fellow I was talking to at the filter center, I said, well, another aircraft coming. If you want to hold on while I get the details, I'll, I'll, I'll be right back. He says, okay, go ahead. So I went out in a post, and this thing, it, it was moving. And it was overhead, and then it was gone into the north real quick in a matter of uh, several seconds. Well, I didn't know what it was. There was no sound associated with it. And I, I told the, the officer at the filter center, I said, this is weird. And he says, you know, sometimes the clouds move, and you see the stars in between the clouds, and it looks like the stars are moving. I said, no, <laughs> I'm familiar with that. I've seen it a hundred times. But the fact is, as this thing came up from the south, it passed overhead, and it disappeared into the north, so it could not have been a star. Uh, <laughs> he said, well, you know, then maybe, you know, it's a weather balloon. Now, the pilot and the navigator, the retired Air Force guys were up there. They estimated... A rough estimate they made, the thing was traveling about a 1,000 miles an hour. And I relayed this to the officer at the filter center. And he says, you know, it could be, you know, maybe it was a weather balloon. And then I said, well, come on. You know, I'm 15 years old, but I'm not stupid. I said, if it was a weather balloon and it's traveling a 1,000 miles an hour, it's going to take a wind a 1,000 miles an hour to push it. <laughs> that's the case. I don't think I'd still be standing here talking to you. <laughs> So anyway, that was unexplained. And then, uh, the major event, one night when Jim Roddy and Art Pierce from the radio station came up, I was on a Friday night, and this happened when I was on the phone calling in a routine aircraft report. They saw something in erratic uh, light, radically, uh, in an erratic pattern descend into the glow 
of the construction lights to the south on the south end of the city where the crews were at that time laying the runways for the new base. It was going to be a strategic air command base. And when I got off the phone, they were all excited and adamant that they saw something come down. At first, I thought they were just kidding around, but no, they were really serious. And they wanted to go check it out. And they offered to take me along if I was interested. Well, I, they had my curiosity peaked. So I said, yeah, so I put the uh, post out of operation and we got in Jim Roddy's car and drove out to the area. The closest we could get was this dirt road that had just been cut through the woods. And it was going to skirt the north end of this base, right where the runways would start. Eventually, it would be a main artery connecting the southeast to the southwest part of the city. But right now, it's just a, a dirt road they were cutting through the woods. And we came to uh, a clearing where apparently they had parked the, some of the equipment that they used to uh, knock down the trees and, and open up the road. And we, we pulled in there. And the, the road was just a bumps of muddy bumps of ruts and things. It was crazy. You can you know, maybe drive five miles an hour on the thing without damaging the car. So we get out of the car. And Jim says, well, I'm going to get up on the roof of the car. I'll see if I can see over the trees, find a local city light, and give us an idea of exactly where we are. Well, he couldn't see anything over the trees, so the trees were too high. So he got down. He said, well, we'll go a little farther down the road. If we don't see anything, then we'll go back to the post. Well, just we're about to get back in the car, we all looked up over our heads simultaneously. Right above our heads was this huge, glowing, white, oval-shaped thing seemed to be emitting or, or dripping sparks. And it was not a sound. It was just just, just probably skimming the tops of the trees. And they, I think Jim estimated it was probably about 40 feet in length, possibly from maybe 35, 40 feet above the trees. And we had it in sight for maybe five, six, seven seconds before it was out of sight over the trees. That image burned itself into my brain, indelibly burned itself. And I could never get it out of my mind. And this is what bothered me for 33 years until it was 1988, 89. And I decided to do some research on the subject, see if I could figure out what it was that we saw. And uh, I figured out well, one, take me a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months tops, and I'd probably find enough information to learn what it was. Well, once I got into the research, my God, you know, I was leading, being led down all kinds of paths. I mean, I, it was an education. And I, mean, I got into Egyptology, ancient uh, history, prehistoric uh, history, uh, into the biblical era. I mean, uh, there were so many things involved uh, besides, well, crop circles and, and cattle mutilations, uh, possibly uh, related, maybe, maybe not, you know. And I, I, it, it was a quite, quite a quite quite an education I got in, in doing this research. And that research ended up lasting 23 years. And that was uh, why I came out with the first book, From Adam to Omega, An Anatomy of UFO Phenomena. And the reason I say phenomena in the plural, because it involves so many different aspects. But... Uh, well, that title reminds us, of course, of Anatomy of a Phenomenon by Jacques Vallée. Were you inspired by his work? By who? Jacques Vallée. Uh, Jacques Vallée? Somewhat, yeah. Uh, I, I, he had a book by pretty much the same title, right? So His was Anatomy of a Phenomenon, Jacques. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, It doesn't it. really matter at this point. I mean, I was just wondering, you know, if it was more than coincidence. Well, What's well, a subtitle, so we have to look at that. 
Yeah, well, no, I'm not. You know, I'm not being accusatory here. I'm just saying, hey, you know, was was Jacques Vallée an influence or not? No, it's just that it involves so many issues. That's why I put it an enemy of UFO phenomena. And there were so many. I mean, you, you got the, the crop circle, the cattle mutilations. You got uh, you got the men in black. You got the MJ12 documents. You got uh, alien abductions. You got a hybrid breeding program. I mean, so many different issues involved. I mean. Uh, uh, and I tried to connect all the dots. We got to connect dots now. More to come with Gene Randall. Alan, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. The old way of living with diabetes is a pain. You've got to remember to do your testing, and you always need to be sticking your fingers. The new way to live your life with diabetes is with a continuous glucose monitor. You simply apply a discreet, easy-to-use sensor on your body, and it continuously monitors your glucose levels, helping you spend more time in range and freeing you from painful finger pricks. If you test your blood sugar at least four times per day and inject insulin at least three times per day or use an insulin pump and have private insurance or medical care, you might be eligible for a CGM with little or no cost to you. Call U.S. Medical Supply today for a free benefits check. We offer free shipping, 90-day supplies, and we bill Medicare or your insurance directly. Call now and say goodbye to finger pricks. 800-880-1896. 800-880-1896. 800-880-1896. That's 800-880-1896. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. You see, the whole UFO world has so many of these little pieces moving and not so moving, like of course, we have, as you mentioned, MJ-12. But a position I think Randall and I agree on is that MJ-12 doesn't fly. And I think that Kevin Randall, I don't know if you followed his work or not, has pretty much torn that apart. And then, of course, the confessions from people like William Moore make it fairly obvious where those documents originated from. But that's an interesting thing right there because we're talking about so many different things we could look at, Alan, and that is we have 
And this takes us to the current stuff. We have the growing expectation something's going to happen. We learned in 2017 from the New York Times article that we had this Pentagon program investigating UAPs that was spearheaded by former Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid. They got $22 million for that, which I think in government parlance gets them five toilet seats. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, at least they were looking at something after so many years. And there's a interview that Senator Marco Rubio is going to do on 60 Minutes. And, of course, in the political world, he was called Little Marco Rubio. But I looked that up. And I won't get into the politics. Marco Rubio is five foot nine inches tall. Therefore, he is of average size. So we'll call him average Marco Rubio. But this article, and this is something you'll want to comment on, Alan, is that this guy, he's a conservative, United States senator, minority leader in the Intelligence Committee. And he says, and I quote from an article in Newsweek, Dozens of men and women we have entrusted with the defense of our country are telling us about encounters with unidentified aircraft with capabilities we do not fully understand. And then he also says, we cannot allow the stigma of UFOs to keep us from seriously investigating these encounters. Now, there's no ET constituency that Senator Rubio, who's very sensitive to the political winds, is playing to. I think when he says something like this, you would agree with me, Alan. This is honest. He represents your state, for better or worse. Right. Well, there's so much of that. I mean, there's a, he's not the only government official that's been talking about it, but uh, it's been hitting the news pretty regularly lately. Uh, you, Sean Hannity, or, or, or Tucker Carlson, rather, I guess on uh, Fox News, has been following this pretty closely, too, as well as some of the uh, other networks, uh, CNN and uh, MSNBC, ABC, CBS, CBS. They've all been commenting on some of the stuff that's coming out. point here is that UFOs do not know politics. It can be a mainstream media, it can be a conservative media, it can be what you consider liberal media, which I think is more like corporate media, but whatever. The point is here, everyone's covering this. Yeah. And that's what makes it very important. And the reason, you, when you mentioned Tucker Carlson, I think the guy is a performance artist for a lot of things he does. He says things to get a reaction. But when he brings on someone talking about UFOs, the play acting is gone. He's dead serious. I yeah. think the guy really believes it. Forget about what you think about him, good or bad. He believes it. And I think that's true with a lot of people. Look at John Podesta, who worked with Clinton, Hillary Clinton, Obama, working now with Joe Biden, that this guy is probably a classic liberal political figure. And he's very strongly interested in his opinions compared to what I just quoted from Marco Rubio, I bet they're identical. That's true. So, but the thing is, several years ago, it was still a joke to most of the media. They, they did a ha-ha piece, you know, they put on there for, for humor or something in, in the middle of a news broadcast. But now they're starting to take the, the subject seriously. And uh, this disclosure, supposedly, that came from the Pentagon or the government about Releasing these videos of uh, Navy jets, uh, 
radar tracking of UFOs over the Pacific and the Atlantic Oceans. And, and this is a beginning of disclosure. And, and in my first book, I predicted this was going to come about, but I didn't think it was going to happen so so soon. I did. I, I figured it'd be another decade or more before they started doing this. But it's, the thing is, that since it started coming out this past year, maybe full disclosure is not that far away. I, I don't know. I, I can't predict that. But I think probably the book that I've written right now is uh, From Adam to Omega. In another decade or two, or maybe three, I have a feeling that the things that I've talked about and, and presented uh, some of the evidence, both pro and con, is going to be accepted become an accepted uh, thing in the in, in the in the future not today not tomorrow but you know maybe 20 30 years down the line maybe sooner who knows well but, people live longer now and you're 81 let's hope you're around when you're 91 and 101 okay i mean i want to see it so you and i and of course i won't mention my age but it's not that much less than yours i'm kind of hoping here that we will all sit around and we'll have with masks off have coffee and everything or whatever we drink in those days. I don't drink alcoholic beverages. I'm a dull guy. We can talk about something happening. And the thing here is, and I'm going to quote what Kevin Randall said on last week's episode of the Paracast. He thinks all the stuff we're seeing now, all this anticipation, we, of course, we have positive statements about UFO investigations from two former CIA directors, Woolsey and Brennan, and originally from Admiral Helen Cotter, who worked with Major Kehoe, so that makes three, that all these expectations will lead to Condon 2.0. And you remember what happened with the Condon report. It gave an excuse for the Air Force to give up on Project Blue Book. It really was a killer in terms of getting serious interest in UFOs. Is there any danger that's going to happen all over again? I, I, you never know. You never know. The Condon report, though, he was never really interested in the subject to begin with. He, uh, there was a memo put out so one of the, uh, uh, one of the members that, uh, two of the other members got all of it. And that, uh, I forget their names. And, and it was very disheartening. It showed how, what a biased, uh, program this was because it said uh, I, I don't remember the exact words verbatim but come to the fact that uh, the trick is to make the public think this is a legitimate uh, investigation of something but where other scientists are concerned uh, they don't know that this is just a, an attempt to uh, objective attempt to learn the truth whether it's not really no possibility that we'll ever find a flying saucer or something like that. And they, and they turned the, 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 that memo over to the media, which showed what a sham the Condon com committee was. But Condon, he managed to uh, um, block any further evidence of it. And he fired the two guys <laughs> that, were, that, that put up this, uh, that, that released this memo. So, uh, And then he was later quoted, I think it was a New York Star Gazette way back when, when he said uh, as far as he was concerned, he thought st 
studying the study of UFOs was a waste of time and that sort of thing. But he wasn't supposed to come to a conclusion or, or reach a decision for another year. So, I mean, right, right there, that tells you, you know, he was biased against the whole thing from the beginning. And they made made some money, you know, conducting the, the, the study, but uh, it never really amounted to anything at all. There were a few, they had to leave a few situations that they couldn't explain as unexplainable, but, I mean, you're always going to have that anyway. We're going to break now. We're going to have more with Alan Roberts. The book, again, is called... From Adam to Omega. A lot more to come. Talking, of course, about whether expectations for disclosure will be dashed, maybe. Hope not. Gene and Randall, you're in the Paracast. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about after the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. I tried other brands, but I came back to my sunshine. For the best hot or cold pain relief, get the best. Get a Sunny Bay heating pad. Sometimes life can be a pain in the neck or back or shoulder. And the best relief for that pain is a Sunny Bay heating pad. Did you know that the American College of Physicians said that one of the best ways to treat muscle pain is heat therapy? Sunny Bay heating pads are handmade with high quality, can be used at home or at work, and have a lifetime 100% positive rating on both Amazon and Etsy. Why take another pill? Many people use our Sunny Bay heating pads alone and got rid of the neck pain. Long distance travel or long hours in front of a computer can take its toll on your body. Our homegrown small business tries to help people just like us. That's why we design and test our handmade products with great care before we introduce them to the public. You can easily find Sunny Bay heating pads on Amazon. Just go to Amazon.com and search for Sunny Bay heating pads. Have you ever thought about turning your Glock, XD Family, or 1911 handgun into a semi-automatic carbine? It only takes about 30 seconds. The MacTech carbine upper is classified as an accessory and can be delivered right to your doorstep with no FFL or background check required. It's the world's most versatile pistol accessory. Build your custom upper today. Simply go to handgunconversion.com. That's handgunconversion.com. For over 20 years... Extendivite has been helping people. Here is a testimonial from Amazon.com. Glad I found this product. I am 51 years old and started getting headaches a couple of times a week. I went to the doctor and my blood pressure was a little high at around 150 over 95. I found out about Extendivite and I ordered some to try it. Immediately, I felt better. 
and it lowered my blood pressure and my headaches went away almost instant. I have been taking it now for about four months and I am so glad I found this product. You won't be disappointed. Extendivite is only $69.95 for a two-month supply. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit heartdrop.com. That's H-E-A-R-T-D-R-O-P.com. Extend your life with Extendivite. Do you want to give you and your loved ones premium nutrition right now? Hi, I'm Jamel Bookaboo from TeamGaday.com and the GCN Longevity Health Team. Get your premium nutrition formulated by world-renowned naturopathic doctor, Dr. Joel Wallach at Wholesale, or also become a distributor and earn income while supporting this broadcast. Go to teamgaday.com via the shopping cart or contact form, and I'll get back to you with support personally. That's teamgaday.com with Longevity. Teamgaday.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. You see, I think it's different this time also because we don't have something that came as a result of clamoring for investigations where the public, in a sense, brought upon the interest in UFOs, the case in Michigan, Congressman Ford, before, of course, he was appointed vice president and became president. And all that came from the public clamoring for information about UFOs. But the stuff with the Pentagon UFO study and every subsequent event wasn't driven that way. It just came out of the blue, the New York Times article. Otherwise, nobody would have heard of it and nothing would have changed in UFO research. So this came from a totally different direction. It was not intended to mollify a request that, frankly, didn't exist. Sure, they had been clamorings for disclosure, but with all the other noise happening, especially in Washington, D.C., this was barely a buzz. That's why I wonder what's going on here and maybe... When Kevin Randall, the jaded military officer, says Condon 2.0, this doesn't ring like that one did. What do you think? No, no. You remember the uh, speech that Ronald Reagan gave to the United Nations? That was uh, 83, was it? When he said, you know, he was talking to all these dignitaries and he said uh, something to the effect that what if uh, we're facing a a threat from out of this world, alien threat from out of this world, one blah, blah, blah. He says, and then, but then he ended up by saying, and yet I ask you, is not an alien presence already among us? You know what it sounded like to me? He was saying something to all these dignitaries that they already knew about. Uh, why would he say something like that? Did he know something back then that, that we don't know? And then you've got... Gary McKinnon. You're familiar with Gary McKinnon? Yes, I've wondered what's happened to this guy. Supposedly, of course, he hacked government computers. And and supposedly they were trying at one point to extradite him to the U.S., which isn't happening. But what is the update from him? Well, I haven't heard anything recently. But what I gathered from everything I've read about 
He hacked into Building 8 at the Johnson Space Center into one of their computers. Now, this was back before the uh, high-speed internet and all that. People were using uh, what, 56K dial-up computers. And, if you were lucky. Yeah. And that's what he was using. And he, he, he found images on one file that supposedly, allegedly, were taken out in space of these UFOs. And there was another file that had the same photos with these UFOs airbrushed out. Said there was one with a huge um, cigar-shaped thing over the uh, uh, over the northern hemisphere. That I mean, he, he tried to download the, these images, but because it was it was taking too long, it was too slow because it was just impossible. You can only spend he said a couple couple of short minutes on each uh, time he each finally was into it without getting caught. Eventually, he did get caught by uh, the British uh, police over there. They arrested him, but then they had to release him because he didn't break any laws over in the, uh, in the United Kingdom. But the United States wanted to extradite him and put him on trial over here. Now, I had my doubts about whether they were really serious about trying to extradite him. Now, the British wouldn't allow it because uh, he has... Asperger syndrome, and they said if he was incarcerated, he'd very likely commit suicide, so they wouldn't allow him the extradition. So the, for 10 years, the United States tried to extradite him. Then they dropped all charges after 10 years. Now, did they just go through the motions of pretending they wanted to extradite him? I mean, if they brought him over and put him on trial, all the secrets that they were trying to keep, what would if they come out in a trial? <laughs> That just didn't seem to make any sense to me. Well, there's so, also a statute of limitations. I don't know about these particular crimes, but after seven years in some cases, you know, unless it's like capital murder or something, there oh. is no way for them to enforce such charges. And then after 10 years, you know, who cares about Gary McKinnon anymore? True, true. So, you know, but then I don't know what the statute of limitations, how it pertains to government uh, Hacking into government and, and, and Pentagon computers. So, he claims that he saw a, a roster of off-planet off uh, personnel. You know, when, where would off-planet personnel be working if not somewhere off-planet? And, and he said he, he's another file. I had a lot of names, but couldn't tell whether they're Army, Navy, Air Force, or whatever. I mean, there's no way to prove this. And, yeah, I, I don't know, you know, how accurate. Uh, he seems smart enough. I mean, he, he's a computer hacker. He, 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 if he managed to get into government computers, I mean, obviously he did because they wanted to extradite him and put him on trial over here for it. So apparently he didn't. But what he claims he found in them is, is you know, subject to question. Of course, you know, the the thing is, though, too, Alan, like, I mean, really, do we even need the government to tell us anymore? And this is something that I tend to ask our people that are already knowledgeable about the subject, because we kind of already know. We know they know more than we could possibly know because they've got all the equipment for that. It's, it's just obvious. And so many of us out here in in the real world where just everyday people have, have seen them firsthand for themselves. Not just some vague light off in the sky that you're not really sure is an airplane or whatever, but something 
much more substantial, like your later sighting or even better, where they're talking about structured craft, sometimes with windows, even occupants seen in them that are silent and that can zip off at, at the snap of your fingers, unlike any kind of a balloon or anything like that. I mean, we know they're here already. Why do we need the government to tell us? <laughs> Good question. But uh, I, 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 I'm worried of the government. I mean, what, what goes on in the government, and the, there's a lot of this information is compartmentalized, so it's not always a case that the right hand knows what the left hand is doing. I'm sure there are people in the government probably involved with these black budget projects uh, that know more about how much they know. It's probably compartmentalized within there. Uh, that area, and, and there's other people in the government that know absolutely nothing about what's going on. So um, it's hard to figure out. All you can do is uh, judge, try to judge the information by what you hear from these various people. Uh, we know they are keeping a lot of this information secrets. Uh, the CIA has confiscated a lot of credible information. Uh, well, John... Uh, um, I, I, I forgot his name. The sixteen back? No, no. Um, the uh, Alaska Airlines, the Japanese Air, airline, sixteen twenty-eight, that uh, was flying from. Oh, Copa. right. Okay, the JL okay. case. Let's do our break here. More to come with Alan, Gene, and Randall. You're in the podcast. listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Anytime, any place, anywhere, radio remains the most intimate of all forms of media. At home, at work, in the car, on smartphones. Over 90% of consumers still listen to radio every week. That makes choosing radio as a place to advertise your business one of the best decisions you can make. Email advertise at GCNlive.com and partner up with an experienced GCN representative. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right. We cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. USA Radio News with Dan Naraki. New data from the Border Patrol shows that encounters with illegal immigrants are up and single adults are now leading the surge. The Border Patrol says they encountered more than 173,000 migrants in April, an increase of 3% over March. But more than 108,000 of those were single adults, up 12% from a month ago. Austin Scarrow, Chief Border Patrol Agent for the Del Rio, Texas sector, tells Fox News about the state of the border in his area. Our unaccompanied children uh, numbers are up almost 250 percent, family units almost 250 percent. We've seen folks from 70 different countries here so far this year. Uh, It's it's significantly uh, busy. Uh, This month, um, just to put that into perspective for you, uh, this past April we caught around 21,000 people here in the Del Rio sector. 
that's more than we caught the entire first seven months of last fiscal year. This is USA Radio News. Israeli airstrikes into the Gaza Strip have continued as the violence between Israel and Hamas escalates. On Saturday, Israeli Defense Forces bombed the home of a senior Hamas leader and destroyed a high-rise building in Gaza City that housed the offices of the Associated Press. Hamas has continued firing rockets into Israel, with several landing in and around Tel Aviv. Lieutenant Colonel Jonathan Korikas is the international spokesman for the IDF and says that Israel is taking steps to minimize civilian casualties, but Hamas makes that a difficult task. We aspire to minimize collateral damage. However, it is clear, and and anybody who's been to Gaza knows that it is almost impossible to uh, surgically uh, differentiate between terrorists and their infrastructure and civilians which are used by the terrorists as their human shields in every aspect, whether it is uh, that Hamas built tunnels and their command infrastructure underneath uh, the uh, neighborhoods. This is USA Radio News. Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? $92,000. Ouch. The IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how did it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. (laughs) I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes... Take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax management hotline now. 800-503-8625. Oh, and by the way, we have so much to talk about with Alan Roberts. He will stick with us for the After the Powercast podcast. So stay tuned to that. Go to the Plus. That's the Plus For the latest offer for new subscribers. Alan, let's continue what you were talking about here. This is the JAL case. Yeah. When, when the public got wind of the story, I mean, they, the FAA hadn't really gotten involved, but the, the uh, Alaska Bureau office up there contacted uh, Callahan. I think John Callahan, I think his name was, was the... Uh, he was head of the one of the investigative parts of the FAA, and uh, they called him saying that the news media up there was driving them crazy trying to find out what was going on. Council said, just tell them it's under investigation. Then he had them pack up all the uh, the audio tapes, the videotapes, everything, the radar tapes, everything, sent it um, on the next Red Eye Express to the uh, tech center in Atlantic City. And then they had the text over there combine all the information, put it on a match up the, the, the uh, uh, radio transmissions with the, the radar tapes and everything. And he brought it back to D.C. and showed Admiral Engen, his boss at the FAA headquarters. And Engen said, no, this is too serious to overlook. You know, so he had arranged for, for Callahan to brief uh, President Reagan's scientific staff. And so along with scientific staff comes the CIA, the some few FAA people uh, and uh, uh, FBI and uh, a few others. 
And he said, the CIA people, were, they were licking their chops over this. They had him play the tape for him two or three times. Then they said, we were never here. This event never happened. We're confiscating this evidence. They're all sworn to secrecy. And Callan says, well, he thought maybe it was just uh, some strange new aircraft that we were developing. And they said, no, it's a UFO. So what Callahan was no small fool, he kept a copy of all of that information in his desk back in, the, back in his office. Now, what gets me is the CIA guys, they confiscated the information. They swore everybody to secrecy. But there's one question they neglected to ask, and that bothered me. They never asked, does anybody have a copy of this data? They never asked that question. And Callahan was able to bring it to the public's attention later on uh, when they had this, uh, uh, in Washington, see when they had this conference over there, they had dignitaries from all over the world uh, coming in and um, military people, government people all over the world that were, were giving their, uh, telling their stories about their involvement with UFOs. And that's when Callahan brought this to the public's attention. So we know that, you know, the CIA confiscated that stuff, but why didn't they ever ask if nobody had copies of it? That always bugged me. Uh, were they that incompetent? Uh, I mean, they were supposedly trained investigators and uh, whatnot. They, they should have had the, the, the brains to think, you know, does anybody have a copy of this? You know, we're confiscating it. We don't want anybody to see it. They didn't ask that question, and it got out. So, I mean, that that's... I don't know if that was done on purpose, you know, possibly, maybe not. I don't know. But well, they do. Yeah, they have a reputation for, you know, stepping into the picture and wandering off with the evidence. That, that same thing happened with this more recent Tic Tac UFO thing. Yeah. When you get talking to the witnesses there, there were what they called the bricks on the ships. And, and we were talking to one of the people on one of the ships who was responsible for looking after that stuff. And, you know, they these guys just show up, uh, take them, go get on some helicopters and then go fly off. And they're like, who were those guys? Right. So, you know, once again, we know they've got the information. We know that they know and they know we know. So, we're, I mean, where are we really then? You know, well, that and those tapes that were uh, released, one of the pilots in the, the when the, the gal was a female pilot, and she was interviewed uh, on one, one of these documentaries. But they they she, they kept her identity secret, and they had her in the shadows so you couldn't see what she looked like. But she she's the one that said a thing looked like a tic tac. <laughs> and uh, who who was the uh, the pilot? Craig Craven or Fravor. Yeah, because he's retired, so he's done all kinds of interviews now, and he's very credible. Yeah, and he was he, he, she was this female pilot, or she was uh, his wingman on this yeah. first um, when they were first vectored in to see, see these things. Yeah, uh, and we're talking about daylight too sightings, right? Exactly. Uh, where and I mean, where they were able to lock on to them and then they then then the objects started to jam their lock-ons too so they had feedback from them as well uh of some kind i mean who knows what they were i 
throwing out this, the idea or propose the idea that maybe some sort of secret stealth or technology or some kind of uh, countermeasures technology that you know they were testing out but who knows i mean i don't know but fravor doesn't seem to think so he seems to think that that would be a little bit beyond reasonable given his experience and we're talking about a guy with a lot of experience we recognize a technology that we don't have or supposedly don't have um you know when i was when i was uh 15 years old I, well when i was 16 17 years old i was 18 years old. I was working in a music store, and this was just before I got married, way back then. Oh, yeah, right. You're a musician, too, right? Yeah. Yeah, we got to talk a, bit, a, a little bit. So many people that are interested in UFOs turn out to be musicians. I, I There's got to be something to that as well, you know? So, yeah, yeah please go on. Well, I, I worked in a music store for, for a few years, and my boss had a friend that worked for the government. I'm classified projects apparently he'd pop in once or twice a year and one day he popped in one day he popped in when the boss was there and we were talking this was right around the time that the uh, Russians put uh, Sputnik up in space and we were talking about our fledgling space program at the time he told me something that really hit me with a ton of bricks he says you won't believe this he says but we have more advanced, more technology, so advanced, it's smart, far more advanced than anything you can conceive that you see in science fiction movies or read about and science fiction stories or literature. He says it would blow your mind. But he couldn't elaborate because he had a, was under a secrecy oath. And yeah, but isn't that a convenient excuse? I mean, you know, I just don't buy a lot of that. I really don't. Well, I mean, I I'm I'm keep up with the science and stuff like that pretty well, and I just don't see it as being reasonable to think that they've got you know centuries ahead of us technology hidden that's only out there for use for by a few people. It just doesn't add up. I, I had no reason to doubt him, but you know, this was back in like around that was it. Actually, year I got married, nineteen sixty. And if what he said is true, then how how far has our that technology progressed since then? If it's if it's true, now there's a lot of stories that seem credible about back engineering some of these crash UFOs. Well, we've developed some of this technology that uh, that they've kept secret. Uh, whether it's true or not, we don't. We can't prove it. I mean, they haven't admitted that. Well, we, yeah, we do know that they, you know, there are things that they do keep secret, and there's definitely stuff that's been ex- obscured. I mean, I keep seeing every once in a while it keeps popping back up into the news that they've got you know a, a, a directed energy weapon mounted on an airplane that they're that they're testing as part of a Star Wars laser kind of. They were doing that ages ago, a long, long time ago. But try to find the information about it you really have to dig you have to go back to decades old popular mechanics books and stuff to find out and that they already did it right (laughs) it's been done the thing about popular (laughs) mechanics of course is that most people have forgotten about those magazines so they could throw things in there and it would not hit the general public more to come with alan jean and randall you're in the paracast (laughs) 
you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream, a dream that turns out to be a nightmare because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. SilverLungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs generator and lung delivery system at SilverLungs.com. That's SilverLungs.com. Cancer categorizes over 100 diseases. Though we do not diagnose, treat, or cure cancer, GCN team is offering the Clemson University study where there was up to a 95% reduction in cancerous cells when exposed to a plant-derived mineral supplement. If you or a loved one are searching for answers to this horrifying disease, come to GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. We'll email you a copy for free. That's 877-878-4203. Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? $92,000. Ouch. And the IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how'd it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes... Take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax management hotline now. 800-503-8625. 800-503-8625. 800 Schools are opening. So much opportunity to share not just memories of 2020, but germs. Worrying about your child bringing a cold or flu home is a thing of the past. Today, we have to be concerned about COVID. That's why you need to be sure your kids are protected in their school with the one-of-a-kind patented Safe Air Network equipment that continuously decontaminates not only air, but all surfaces. 99.9% decontamination in three minutes to begin with and then continuously so if any of the air or surfaces get recontaminated, no worries. Safe Air Network is not only the only system that cleans air and surfaces, it's chemical-free and 100% 
100% safe to use in an occupied room. The equipment is plug and purify. The easiest equipment to use as soon as it is received. Contact Safe Air Network now at safeairnetwork.com. That's safeairnetwork.com. Hi, this is James Fox. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Let's move on here because we're in the final third of the show ahead of the After the Paracast podcast. And we've talked a lot about UFOs and UFO expectations, but we haven't talked as much about the book. And I wanted to go into part two a little bit because it's something that we're all interested in. Certainly as a fan of Stargate and the Stargate SG-1 shows, of course, that's all about ancient astronauts, that these advanced beings came to Earth to enslave people back a couple of thousand years ago, and they traveled in a Stargate. Now, we should point out, Alan Roberts, that among our guests have been, of course, Eric Von Daniken. He was on a show once, And we also have a religious scholar, an old friend of mine, David Halperin, who knows all about the stuff that Von Daniken used. And he whittled down Von Daniken to the point where he said, well, this is just my idea of it. That's all. I also knew somebody who had written a lot about ancient astronauts back in the 60s guy named Yona Fortner. I don't know if you ever heard of him, but he wrote for a magazine called Saucer News, published by Jim Mosley, and he wrote about extraterrestrialism. And he said the God of the Old Testament was E.T. So this gets to be the, the big thing here, looking back into the past. Are we saying here that what we see in the Bible is all E.T. presence or what? Well, if you look at the biblical stories from a logical perspective, it suggests it's very possible. Uh, if you look at it from a theological perspective, well, you got to believe in miracles and all that sort of thing. Now, I, I, I took the uh, liberty of looking at these stories from a, a logical perspective, which seemed to reveal a lot of technology, uh, advanced technology, some of it technology that we don't have, kind of Star Trek technology. Um, and uh, that's Let's what- go through a couple of examples, because, yeah, yeah, like, Gene is absolutely right. And, uh, you know, we know about that, but that doesn't mean the mythology, or whatever it happens to be, isn't still really interesting. So how about a couple of examples there, Alan? Okay. All right. Well, first of all, everything you read about these angels, they always seem to appear out of a brilliant flash of light. The angel appeared in Peter's prison cell, locked prison cell. How did he get in there through a locked prison cell? He, he appeared out of a brilliant flash of light. Uh, the angels that appeared at Christ's tomb, their clothes gleam like lightning, or they, they, they appeared in a, in, a, in a bright flash of light. Uh, and then you got the transfiguration where Christ was all of a sudden engulfed in this brilliant light. But that happened at the exact moment that uh, Moses and Elijah materialized alongside of them. And how did they get there? Uh, Were they teleported down and appeared out of a brilliant flash of light that encompassed Christ? Uh, And then I'm looking at these uh, these alien abductions where 
uh, these little gray aliens appear in people's bedrooms in the middle of the night out of a brilliant flash of light, or they're coming while walking out of a wall or something like that. You're talking, describing teleportation. And that, that's what really got me interested in, in, the, uh, in the biblical end of it. And while we get teleportation, the abductions is something I'd like to get into also. That's That's really interesting because it's, you know, what that reminds me of is, you know, the stories of the jinn, you know, which were kind of like the the early myths about these beings with these sorts of powers that could do exactly that. And then they got kind of got incorporated into biblical mythology. I mean, I'm non-religious, so I really do look at it all as mythology mixed with, you know, the historical climate of the times and so on. I don't take a lot of it literally, but it's still really interesting that people claim to have had these kinds of experiences. Maybe some of them did. Okay, well, with uh, with these uh, alien abductions, now, the uh, what, what, what struck me, uh, well, Bud Hopkins started the thing with all of his investigations. He contributed a lot to the, the information. Uh, Dr. John Mack, uh, this Harvard psychiatrist, Pulitzer Prize winning, he got into it really, really heavy. But uh, Dr. David Jacobs, a former professor of history at Temple University, I think, uh, well, um, he's still alive. The other two are, are, are passed away, but... I think uh, Jacobs is probably the foremost authority on the subject right now, and he's written a few books about it. Finally, tell our listeners, Dr. Jacobs, David Jacobs has been on the Paracast a number of occasions. And I will tell you that his stuff is very controversial, not to express an opinion, but I know that when he brought him on the show, especially the last couple of times, you couldn't believe the outpouring of pro and con opinions in our forums. It was amazing. And, I mean, there are reasons there. And I think one of it is, and now maybe you can respond to this, he believes that E.T. is here to create a hybrid race and maybe to take us over. Have you looked into that, Alan? Uh, Yes. Now, all of the information from Jacobs and other uh, researchers that have gotten into these alien abductions, all the people they put under hypnosis, regressive hypnosis, and a lot of people argue whether that's credible or not. But the thing is, they all seem to come out with basically the same stories. There's very too many similarities, especially in the seemingly uh, unimportant, trivial details, like what color was the was the the trash basket in the corner of the room. Not that that was part of it, but I mean, little things. They, they mentioned too many little trivial details that were similar. And, and these people didn't know each other. How could one person, you know, know exactly what somebody else had gone through and, uh, and, and same thing? One thing I want to mention before we go into that, one of the arguments mentioned here is that one reason that specific abduction researchers may get subjects who are consistent with their points of view is that when they question their subjects, they are consciously or unconsciously leading them on to come up with certain answers. I'm not going to say one way or the other, but certainly we've talked to people who feel that hypnotic regression can have too many bad side effects, that the best abductee is the one who remembers it without any enhancements. 
just remembers it. And then as if you say that the tales are accurate, they do not appear to have read up on other abductions important, but they come up with the same fine details, that's something that has to be investigated. That could be, and it could be the other way, too, is you don't know. From what I studied on the subject, uh, they did a lot of research to eliminate leading questions. They had, they, they, they tried to come up with uh, Richard Haynes, I think, and Bud Hopkins worked on how to uh, question people without leading them into a situation or, or giving them leading ideas. In other words, uh, they would say, well, what do you remember on this date without saying anything that they had reported on? In other words, I think people had to come out with their own uh, impression of their own their own story about what they saw. And there was no leading leading questions in there to make them think they had to follow this certain pattern. But the thing is, and, and what I, I seem to ca- catch from all of these cases, the women that they abduct, always seem to be abducted during their fertile period when they're ovulating. Now, why is that? Men uh, seem to be abducted at random. One of the major things involved with male abductees is the extraction of sperm. Now, what seems to be happening is they are doing some kind of a modification in this in the DNA in male sperm and they are uh, um, they're doing genetic manipulation. So th- that leads us into the whole hybrid thing. Do you, do you think that the hybrid thing is actually going on? Before he answers that question, whether the hybrid thing is going on or not, we have a lot of things to talk about with him, and we'll get into that in our next segment. By the way, Alan Roberts will be here also for After the Powercast. So we've got a lot of things to talk about here. And I should mention before we go on with After the Powercast that we've changed the offer for the Powercast Plus. We now offer for five-year and lifetime subscriptions a free Amazon gift card. So it's $10 for the five-year subscription, $20 for the lifetime. And that means you can buy anything you want. You can buy a UFO documentary. You can buy a sci-fi movie. You can buy anything you want. But... You can buy, you know, some dog food. Heck, anything. Go check out the Paracast.plus. That's the Paracast.plus for quick sign-up information. Includes the ad-free version of the show also. More to come with Gene Randall and Alan. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. 
Attack of the Rockoids, and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Have you heard the warning from the dead doctors don't lie guy? I'm talking about Dr. Joel Wallach. He says if you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol or high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, or other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. That's what he says. He has a free lecture revealing what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. And it's all in his free lecture called Deadly Recipe. You want it free? Call him toll-free at 855-79-YOUNG. You ready? 855-79-YOUNG. Dr. Joel Wallach, the dead doctors don't lie guy, says there's no reason why we shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So we're talking here about a pretty serious issue, whether E.T., whether aliens are coming down here, abducting humans, and they want to create a hybrid race. Now, one of the things I've wondered about here, Alan, and maybe we can talk about that as a logical factor, is why would they go through this elaborate scenario? I think that an advanced alien race could, number one, do genetic testing in a way that nobody would remember it. There wouldn't be this kind of trauma, this PTSD syndrome that we see with people who are abducted. We wouldn't see that. Now, maybe implanting something into a woman's reproductive system, that might be something else. But all these things seem to describe a race of aliens or races of aliens that are pretty darn primitive, don't you think, Alan? Well, maybe I can uh, cover that when I finish explaining this uh, abduction. Uh, What they do when they extract a sperm, they're, they're modifying the DNA and they're um, taking the DNA in these women's eggs that they take. They're fertilizing the eggs in vitro on their ship. Then they abduct the women, and then they inseminate the fertilized egg in the women. And this lasts about three months, right around the end of the first trimester. Now, they take the women again, and they remove the fetus, they extract the fetus from their womb, and they bring it to full term on their ship in some kind of an incubatorium. Now, many of these women, the whole thing has been uh, placed into the, somehow into their subconscious. They don't remember right away. They may have vague memories, or usually what happens, in, and could be a few weeks, few months, or a couple of years, vague memories start to uh, surface. Uh, then they start having nightmares. The ones that can afford it will seek professional help. They'll go to a psychiatrist or psychologist. And a psychiatrist or psychologist will recommend hypnosis to bring out these uh, uh, forgotten feelings. 
And that's when they learn of their abduction, their insemination, and uh, fetus extraction, and so forth. Now, what they are doing with these fetuses that they extract from uh, from the women and bring them to full term on their ship, I believe they are using those for experimentation. And some of these fetuses apparently include alien and human DNA because the women that have been brought back to these ships to interact with these children after a year or two or whatever, they say they have both human and alien features. And women are often encouraged to breastfeed the infants, even if even though they're not lactating. But there are now, one woman that uh, Jacobs uh, worked with, she managed to ask what way, you know, why are you taking our fetus? And they, she was told they only take those that they need. Now, if that's true, that means they're not taking all of these fetuses. Some of these women are giving birth to hybrid children right here in our society today. And I believe this has probably been going on for many, many years. Okay, so how do we tell them apart from the well, rest of us? Well, the ones that they give birth to are very, actually are, are very human-looking. Those are the ones that they're not experimenting with. But I think they they somehow enhanced their DNA for them to be able to uh, uh, progress mentally, well, scientifically, socially, mentally, technologically. Do they know that they're hybrids? Or are they just? Do they think they're just regular people that are a little different than the rest? Probably not aware of the fact that they are. But I think the whole basis behind this is when you uh, back in the 1970s, these old gray aliens started telling people they abduct, showing them scenes on some kind of a projection screen or whatever of apocalyptic devastation, scenes of destruction, and they're telling them that these things that you're seeing are going to happen. Well, when you go back 2,000 years to the book of Revelation, you've got basically the same scenario being described in the book of Revelation. So uh, my impression is that they're aware of some kind of a disaster that's going to hit the earth, probably not in our lifetime. It could be made later on in this millennium or even the next millennium, but they're aware of something that's going to happen that could either cause a destruction of our planet or the extinction of the human race. And they have been throughout history, right through the biblical period, trying to accelerate the evolution of the human race on a moral, social, and science, uh, technological level. And there's so many so many things involved with that. I mean, the, 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 there's a, you go back in, into the time of Adam, it says Adam, first of all, it says Adam was created, not born. And that makes me wonder if he wasn't uh, hybrid created, just like these aliens are creating hybrids today. But then you've got the longevity factor that, and we're involved with the, uh, Adam and his, some of his descendants that have managed to live for hundreds of years. And that's a whole separate issue that involves what happened for 2,000 years where they had to put their project on hold. Uh, and then it's picked up with Isaac, who was, I believe, were biblical hybrids created, uh, were born to women who were elderly and sterile. But there were a couple that were born to young and healthy female so there's a and i have a, a theory on that too which goes into what really happened to adam and why he was put to a test and why he failed it and so forth but, i mean there's so many 
little details. I mean, it, there's not enough time in, in five hours to go through all of this. To- but what, yeah, but it is quite fascinating from a like sort of a cultural mythological perspective. I mean, I don't know that I believe there was such a being as Adam who was created by these aliens. I, I know that's part of the, the creation mythology. It kind of fits with the idea that of alien intervention and and so on. I mean, it's not the thing about it is it's not impossible. It could have happened. Basically, what the Bible is is a metaphorical way of telling us what they have been doing for the last several thousand years. Now, it, creating Adam and Eve when I mean there, there was people already around. I mean, we know human races existed for thousands and thousands of years before before the alleged creation of Adam. But I think it, it could be a metaphorical way of telling us what they've been doing, what what uh, or what their agenda is as you go from the the creation part with Adam and Eve all the way up to the the New Testament, the ascension of Christ into heaven. Uh, um, there's so much technology that's suggested in these stories, and that follows a progressive sequence of it that seems to be pushing for the acceleration of the human race. But there was a period after Adam failed his test, it was like 2,000 years that they, they couldn't do anything. That they had this time that they had to make up for because it, it always suggested there was a deadline involved, and that deadline appeared to be caught up to in the early part of the 20th century. Now, I could be wrong. But all of a sudden, right at the dawn of the 20th century, you've got uh, Alexander Graham Bell, you've got uh, Henry Ford, you've got Nikola Tesla, and you've got the Wright brother, uh, Wright, uh, Albert Einstein, one of the greatest scientific minds of all. all. All these people were alive in 1900, right at the dawn of the 20th century. And that's when our technology seemed to uh, advance exponentially. Now, we're were all of these men genetically engineered hybrids created with enhanced DNA to bring about these technologies that was necessary to uh, meet this deadline to get us uh, to develop the technology to get us in space at the precise time it was needed to start our space program in order to be able to survive whatever this doomsday scenario is, whatever that's going to happen. I have a problem, though, with it, and I'll tell you why in a minute, because we got to do a break. I'll give you part of the problem. Part of the problem is when it comes to the space program, we had an interruption of decades between the last moon landing and now efforts to possibly go to Mars. We had decades of interruption where we had minor achievements in space exploration, almost as if the government didn't care anymore. They didn't want to invest anymore. And if there was an imperative, why would that have been allowed to occur? Hmm. Oh, and by the way, Alan Roberts will stick with us for this weekend's episode of After the Powercast, part of the Powercast Plus. For more info, check thepowercast.plus. More to come with Alan Roberts, Gene and Randall. You're in the Powercast. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's 
legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. If there's a sudden disaster and you can't get to the grocery store or they're all out of food, what would you do? You'll wish you had emergency food to get you through the crisis. And that's why we're here. We're MyPatriotSupply.com, America's leading source of emergency food. Our food lasts for up to 25 years, and millions of families trust us for their disaster survival. Won't you join us? Unlike other food companies, we don't skimp on calories. Our meals give you more than 2,000 calories per day. Why? Because that's what you need to survive any challenging crisis. And right now, you can save $50 on our popular four-week emergency food kit. Just go to MyPatriotSupply.com and place your order. We ship fast, two to three days max. And your food arrives discreetly right to your door. So order today and save $50 at MyPatriotSupply.com. That's MyPatriotSupply.com. Hi, this is Dr. Joel Wallach, the Mineral Doctor. You've heard me talk about 90 for Life for years. 60 minerals, 16 vitamins, 12 amino acids, 2 fatty acids. You may not know this, that I've actually designed Arthur decks for animals. That's right. Your pets need 90 for Life, too. Get this essential pet product by calling 877-279-9422. That's 877-279-9422. Again, 877-279-9422. Now with orders to stay at home, public health concerns, the reality of illness due to pathogens and viruses, your health is at an all-time high risk. That's why it's critical to take a proactive approach to boost your immune system. You can with new nano-colloidal silver from AmeriCare. Our patented process with tiny silver particles, one one-hundredth the size of a red blood cell, allows for maximum body absorption. AmeriCare's nano-colloidal silver effectively disinfects your body internally, attacking pathogens and viruses while supercharging your immune system. Colloidal silver is antibacterial and antiviral. Simply put, it prohibits bacterial respiration, suffocating viral cells, preventing the virus from replicating. And now, due to public health concern, AmeriCare is authorized to offer our lowest and best price ever, around a dollar a day, but supplies are limited. Purchase nano-colloidal silver now at immunesupportnow.com. That's immunesupportnow.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Supplies are limited. Do you want to give you and your loved ones premium nutrition right now? Hi, I'm Jamel Bookaboo from TeamGaday.com and the GCN Longevity Health Team. Get your premium nutrition formulated by world-renowned naturopathic doctor, Dr. Joel Wallach at Wholesale, or also become a distributor and earn income while supporting this broadcast. Go to TeamGaday.com via the shopping cart or contact form, and I'll get back to you with support personally. That's TeamGaday.com with Longevity. TeamGaday.com. 
We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So, Alan, you get my concerns here. I understand the progression of what you're saying. Why the interruption in space exploration for so long? Because our technologies overcome our ability to use it wisely. Hasn't it always been like that, though, Alan? Like, we've always used technology irresponsibly. So since when is that going to change? Since we uh, first... When they learned how to split the atom, the first thing we did was we create a weapon of mass destruction and use it in war against another nation. And now, because of that, I mean, other nations have gotten nuclear power weapons, and everybody wants to become a nuclear power today, and that's very dangerous. And that brings us into part three of the book, what's going on today with these uh, UFO incursions at missile sites and... uh, uh, they deactivated missiles, and, and actually, in many cases, they've uh, activated the launch codes, which scared the hell out of the, the guys in the command module, uh, underground command module that, that has their finger on the button in case they have to launch these things. But they never let them launch, and it, it's, it's, it came so close. But they're, t- they're telling us, in a way, that they're not happy with our nuclear program. And what we're doing is dangerous. And by activating these the launch codes, that kind of put, oh, man, how much closer are we going to come to World War Three and total annihilation? You know, I mean, that, that kind of made people stop and think a little bit. So this whole scenario, though, Alan, I mean, doesn't it just you must have thought of this. We don't need the aliens to tell us that we already know that. We've figured this out for ourselves. People used to sit on bleachers with sunglasses on and watch atomic bombs go off. After a while, we started to get wise to the whole idea. Uh, you know, we, what we need the aliens to do is tell us something we don't know already, and that's what they haven't done. What, what they're telling us is they cannot develop our wisdom for us. That's something that we have to do, and whether we do or not, maybe whether we survive this doomsday scenario that they've been warning uh, all these abductees about. So, I mean, there's so many issues involved with these things. I got, it's all covered in the book. You know, it, uh, The pros and the cons of it, we'd never be able to cover all of it in any amount of time. Even two hours is not enough time. But, um, the thing I wonder about, Alan, is that E.T. seems very feckless. Because they're not telling us anything we don't know about no. our society. They're allowing all this stuff to happen. We're going through a pandemic, maybe the final stages in the U.S., but in India and other countries, it's still pretty bad. We're allowed to have thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people die, more so than has been the case in, in many wars. That's allowed to happen. We have ongoing war in the Middle East now with Israel and Palestine. We have endless conflicts, endless threats. What is E.T. doing about it? They're going through this program to take us to another level. But all this stuff is happening around them, and it's not solved. And you'd think if they really want humans to go in a certain direction, be proactive about it. Don't just maybe we stick a few hybrids in there who give us some advanced science that, of course, people could use 
not just for good, but for evil, do something already. How do they allow this to occur? Like I say, they, they can't do wisdom for us. They have to let us proceed. I think what happened... Why? Well, what happened when there was a 2,000-year delay, they had to, to catch up. They were, things were progressing slowly on its own. If Adam had passed his test, if he had not supposedly eaten the forbidden fruit, if that's really what it was, the human race may have progressed peacefully on a level that's we would be far exceeding the technology we have today. We may have begun exploring the the, the universe decades ago. Uh, no, I don't know. That whole mythology, that, Alan. That, that's what I'm saying. If, if. You if. know, I mean. But then that, that that's not uh, not really the, the case. The whole thing is, when you, when you go through the book and you read the whole scenario, it is building a case that supposedly seems to be pre- preparing us to be able to save ourselves from some annihilation uh, at the end of this their agenda, whenever that is going to be. And if the Bible says about Christ returning and reigning on earth for a thousand years, after which he's going to bring his uh, chosen ones to a new city, a new place, which certainly sounds like it's off planet somewhere, if he does, if he is to return and here for a thousand years. Well, we know that this doomsday scenario is not going to take place till after his 1,000-year reign. That's if and when he comes back. I mean, that, that again, is religious. Let's just have a quick, quick review of some of that, though. I mean, I, I do find it all quite interesting. And l- l- let's just suppose we can take it literally for the for the time being and just say, okay, well, let's suppose that there are these aliens and they had some sort of a Uh, like a wildlife preserve somewhere where they decided to genetically engineer some human beings uh, who were out wandering around in the, on this, uh, uh, in in this environmental area and were being monitored by them. Now the whole mythology for the, the tree of good and evil, right? Was that it was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and, don't let man eat from the tree, lest his eyes shall be open and he shall become as one of us to know good and evil, according to the scriptures. Now, you're a man of logic here. Okay, prior to eating the fruit, we had no knowledge of good and evil. Therefore, we couldn't have known that it was wrong I, to I, eat the fruit, right? Because I, logically, I mean, it, think it, about it, that logically. If we don't know they were good and evil... They were then told, how do we know it's wrong not to eat the fruit? They were told not to eat the fruit from the tree of... Uh, but you're missing my point here. It doesn't matter. You can tell somebody anything, but if they don't get it because they don't know because their eyes haven't been opened, it means nothing. Okay, so what's really interesting about this, just follow me here. First of all... Okay, go ahead, Alan. Never mind. You want to get something in there because I was going to make a point, but. Okay, I I get you. First of all, it was not Adam that was tempted. It was Eve. They used her to uh, uh, show his uh, susceptibility to uh, other influences. Now, uh, she was. She told the serpent when he told her that if she ate the fruit, she was not going to die. But. and which, That's right, uh, she didn't. The whole thing was a lie. That, that she would become like God and only go to Nebo. But I, I don't go, go along with that because 
they were told in the beginning that it was uh, against the rules, against the law to eat this fruit. So they did know the difference between right and wrong. Uh, no, not according to the mythology. It's, it's just, it just doesn't hold up. They didn't. And that's when we learned it. Now, just follow me here for a second, OK? If they were doing this genetic engineering, right, <laughs> we're talking about humans developing higher brain functions in, term, in terms of reasoning and abstract thought, like moral behavior and stuff like that. And today, even, we're actually able to take fruit and genetically modify it so that if we eat it, it will immunize us against certain kinds of diseases. More to come with Gene Randall. Alan, you're in the Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Join me, George Norrie, for Contact in the Desert Worldwide Virtual UFO Conference, June 25th to the 28th. Contact in the Desert will be an epic weekend of exploration into UFOs, ancient alien civilizations, consciousness, AI, crop circles, and cutting-edge science. More than 130 presentations, 67 speakers, and two extra weeks to view our extraordinary lineup. Get your tickets today at contactinthedesert.com. It's time to make contact. Contactinthedesert.com. Are you afraid to go to the mailbox because of letter after letter from the IRS? Are they stacking on more and more penalties and interest? By now, you know the problem won't go away on its own. Don't let the IRS chase you to your grave with penalties and interest and liens and levies. You need real help now. I'm Dan Pilla. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I helped thousands of people solve tax problems they thought couldn't be solved. I can help you too. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. USA Radio News with Tim Berg. President Biden had phone calls with the Palestinian Authority president and Israeli Prime Minister on Saturday. The calls come as tensions continue to rise and rocket attacks continue in the region. On Saturday, an Israeli airstrike destroyed a building in the Gaza Strip that housed several news organizations. But it also contained Hamas intelligence agents who were using the news organizations as a shield. Gary Pruitt, CEO of the AP, telling CNN. We've been in that building for 15 years. We had no indication Hamas was operating out of that building. We do check that to the best of our ability because, of course, we would never knowingly endanger our journalists. Gas shortages in the southeastern part of the country are easing up as a colonial pipeline resumes service. This is USA Radio News. Some retailers across the country are ditching their mask requirements. Following the CDC's updated guidance on mask wearing, several national retailers are also changing their policies. Walmart, Costco, Publix, Sam's Club, and Trader Joe's have all announced that wearing masks in their store will be optional for customers who are fully vaccinated, subject to local mandates. The stores are still asking those who are unvaccinated to continue to wear masks. The moves come after the CDC changed their guidance, saying that people who are fully vaccinated no longer need to wear masks indoors, except in crowded settings and healthcare facilities. Even with the new mandates, some stores, like Home Depot, Kroger's, and Target, say they're leaving their mask requirements in place for now. From the USA Radio News Ohio Bureau, I'm Dan Naraki. Rallies were held across the United States Saturday calling for an end to anti-Asian violence. A large group of demonstrators turned out in New York City and marched behind a United Against Hate banner. 
and you're listening to USA Radio News. If you are trying to quit drinking or doing too many drugs, listen to me. You don't know me and we'll never meet. I had a problem like you once. I drank and used to party a little too much till it got out of control and almost ruined my life. I realized I needed help to fix my problem before it totally destroyed me. If you've tried to fix your drinking and drug problem and you know you can't do it alone, you need to call the National Treatment Advisors. They'll immerse you into a 30-day program to replace your old habits with new habits and totally change your life. And if you have PPO, private health insurance, the entire program may be covered. Fix your problem right now before it gets any worse. Get clean. Call now and learn more. 800-296-1252. Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So, is it about forbidden fruit? No, it's not about forbidden fruit. Randall, continue where you started about certain fruits immunizing us. That sounds like better than vaccines. Well, yeah, I was just kind of going on a tangent here with Alan on the idea of technology that these uh, alien visitors, if they're responsible for our genetic engineering, this whole mythology could represent, if we are to take it literally, that they actually we're doing this sort of work with some group of humans somewhere on the planet could be concurrent to the rest of civilization but i mean who knows for sure because the more that we find out about what we're doing ourselves the more these parallels seem to pop up don't you think so alan yeah well it goes right back again to the garden of eden this is uh, the lord god put adam into a deep sleep and uh, and he removed something from his body, after which he closed up the place with flesh. Well, that sounds like what happens today in every hospital, every, what every surgeon does in a hospital. Sounds like Adam was anesthetized so uh, in preparation for an operation to be performed on him. And something supposedly was one of his ribs, but I think it probably might have been a sample of his DNA was removed from his body. And then they closed up the place with flesh like a surgeon closes up an incision after every operation. It's, it's a typical hospital maneuver today. And then they used that DNA incorporated into Eve's genetic code, so she would have a lifespan compatible with his. Now, this lifespan supposedly came from the tree of life. Once they proved uh, non-viable, in other words, uh, Adam failed his test. He supposedly ate the forbidden fruit. They were kicked out of the Garden of Eden. They were expelled. And then it says the Lord put together a cherubim and a, and a flaming sword flashing back and forth on the east side of the garden. Well, the footnotes in the Bible, east side could mean front of, well, which sounds like they, they put a security device, a flaming sword flashing back and forth, sounds like a mechanical device with a, a sweeping laser beam. Same thing we have uh, in use today in securities. So, I mean, why would they prevented them from getting back to the tree of life. So whatever benefits that they had accrued from eating on this tree for all the time they'd been there uh, allowed Adam to live for another 900, 930 years. It doesn't say how long he lived, but 
that she lived a long life and had many children. And eventually, this longevity factor was passed along to his children because they children they lived for several hundred years. Most of it, they gradually they they were living shorter and shorter spans of time. And supposedly, this all uh, ended after the flood when uh, lifespans supposedly settled down to about 120 years. But then Noah, he, he lived for 950 years, and his children only lived 400 to 600 years, after which supposedly the lifespans return to normal. And currently, I think women's fertility cycles, when you when you look at how, how long it took an animal to produce three children, 130 years before his third son was born, I mean, that questions how, how often he became fertile. And if she was living for several hundred years, does it make sense that her fertility period be, would be on a monthly cycle like today, 20, every 28 days? No, she, she could have had a multitude of children in her lifetime, and that would have probably had a negative effect on her lifespan. So, you know, I, I suggest, uh, I theorize that possibly her fertility cycle occurred maybe every 10, 15, or even 20 years. And this goes on uh, from the descendants of Seth. Every time uh, a third son, uh, every time one of his children were born, grew up, took wife, and had his first son, an average span of about 100 years had elapsed. And that went on for about 900 years. How long did it take for them to produce a second child? But then the other, the later children of Adam and Eve became fathers. They said they became fathers at age 65, which questions is maybe they did not reach their puberty until they're around 50 or 60 years old. So you've got these questions that I, I bring up, and I'm not, it all fits into the theory, but like I say, it, it, it's, it's, it's theoretical. You can't prove it, but it does make sense when you go through the progression of events that went on throughout the whole biblical period. So I don't want to get too far ahead of myself here. Oh, it's all pretty interesting stuff. I mean, anyone who is into ufology who is going to run across this area of conversation. There's all kinds of areas of conversation when it comes to ufology that goes into science, it goes into technology, it goes into astronomy, physics, history, and of course it goes into mythology and religion. So, I mean, you can be one of those people that wants to interpret the Bible literally, or you can take it figuratively as mythology. Either way, it's still pretty interesting to talk about some of this stuff, and I absolutely love it. So... There's another thing I'd like to bring up about why Adam failed his test. We don't know. He did. He says he was created, not born, which to me suggests he was a, uh, a hybrid created. But why did he fail his test? Now, all of a sudden, the following children are born to uh, women who were old and sterile. Now, what? Why? Why did they suddenly switch to taking old and barren women? to give birth, and how could they do that, unless it was by insemination? Uh, so what happened? What was, Did they use a young, fertile woman to initiate Adam's gestation uh, for three months? And then some, but what would, what would the body happen in the body of a young, fertile woman uh, be to cause him to not manifest the positive qualities of his genetic uh, enhancement? Now, when you look at it from a logical perspective, a young fertile woman undergoes chemical and hormonal changes that would not occur in the body of an old and sterile woman. Was that possibly something that contaminated his genetic makeup? We don't know. It's just a, a thought because all of a sudden they're using old and sterile women. But they had to solve that problem because the intention 
was later on for Christ to give be born to a young fertile woman. And then you got Solomon was born to Bathsheba, a young fertile woman. So they had to, I think they had solved that problem. The problem, one of the things about, sorry to interject here, but one of the issues, I've tried to look into this from a scientific perspective, and there are scientists who have done that with genetic tracing, and they can't find any evidence that our, you know, our, our genetics have been tampered with in any way. They're, they're, they say there would be markers, and we can study it all the way down to the atomic level now. So, you know, it's not like they can hide it from us anymore if the aliens were doing this, but there just, there just isn't any evidence. I mean, it, but Nick Redfern did write Bloodline of the Gods, where there's, you know, there's some interesting sort of negatives in some of the blood types, but that doesn't in any way suggest some sort of genetic manipulation. So, yeah, it's they're interesting stories, but there's no physical evidence to back them up. Well, I don't, I'm not all into that uh, study of genetics, but uh, um, there are, I just read somewhere that they discovered there's a part of our DNA that they believe is not natural, that that is alien. So I, I, I'm, I'm trying to find out more about that. And you hear this every, and you know, every time, maybe, maybe that's something new. Every time somebody says that, I go look into it and it's like, no, not really. But the funny thing about all this is the question that I would pose to those particular skeptics having looked at it is that if they did this over long enough periods of time and in a way that mimics natural mutations like as opposed to actually taking out the genetic material and manipulating it and then putting it back in uh, there's we wouldn't know the difference we couldn't tell the difference we could just say well that's a mutation it's just a random sudden mutation they happen right so you know i'm not an authority on that subject i really can't you know say one way or the other well, how about some of the other stuff we can talk about then? Like, like maybe some more of the sightings that happened that you think are some of the the best ones, say in the early modern era, or where do you think the best sightings have occurred? Before he answers that question, we've got to do our break. One more segment of the main show with Alan Roberts, and then more to come on the Paracast plus after the Paracast. So stick with us, Gene Randall. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Hey, listeners, I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out 
theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. Silverlungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs generator and lung delivery system at Silverlungs.com. That's Silverlungs.com. No other network provides the level of customer service we do. When it comes to radio advertising, we are your one-stop shop. And no matter how big or small your business is, we can help. Email us and advertise at GCNlive.com. And an experienced advertising executive will help you take the first step towards driving more customers to your business or website. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veterans nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. Trading involves financial risk and is not suitable for all investors. Past results do not guarantee future performance. As life in America looks to return to normal, how can you succeed in the new stock market? With the tech dip, volatility with interest rates, and fear around the yield curve, it's virtually impossible to guess what will happen next. With Vantage Point, you don't have to. Text the word MONEY to 813-813 to find out how our technology can forecast market trends up to three days in advance with incredible accuracy. Text MONEY to 813-813. 813 to find explosive moves before they happen. Vantage Point's patented artificial intelligence can give you a massive edge. Text the word MONEY to 813-813. Start predicting trends 72 hours in advance and maximize your gains. Text MONEY to 813-813. Experience Vantage Point for free. Learn how successful traders generate their wealth. Don't wait. Text the word MONEY to 813-813. Go to vantagepointsoftware.com for terms, conditions, and privacy policy. Robert Hastings, author of UFOs and Nukes, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Before ending the previous segment, Randall had something to say, and I wanted him to kind of just cover it quickly before Alan responds. Go ahead. Right. Yeah. Just before the break there, we'd gotten into a lot of biblical mythology and stuff, which is all pretty interesting, fascinating stuff. And but our listeners do like to to get down to the nuts and bolts as well. And your book includes quite a bit of that as well. So, uh, you know, if we've got these aliens coming here to experimenting on us, they've been doing it for a long time. They're still doing it now. 
And what are some of the best sightings, in your opinion, that, that represent evidence of this? I, I don't know. There's so many. Uh, I, I can't think of any particular one that would be outstanding, except maybe uh, uh, 1952. In 1952, the uh, Washington invasion, where these UFOs, uh, they violated the airspace over the White House and the Capitol building. They were picked up on uh, Washington National Airport radar, as well as Andrews Air Force Base. I mean, at that point, and, and they supposedly they did this at a time when um, the Air Force Base in the southeast quadrant of Washington, D.C., Bowling Air Force Base, was closed due to runway repairs, and their jets had been moved to Newcastle Air Force Base in Delaware. Well, it seems like they picked the most opportune time to pull off a, a thing like this because it now relied on jets uh, responding from a, bit much, a base much farther away. And the fact that um, when the jets arrived at the site uh, in D.C., the UFOs disappeared from the radar. They flew away. And I don't know how many times this actually happened, but the jets returned to base, the UFOs returned to D.C., the jets were dispatched again. And one, one pilot, at one time, one of these incidents, one of the, the, the pilots became a little nervous because these objects encircled his plane before they took off, and he didn't know what to do, you know, but they, they didn't hang around there. They just sort of paint for a few seconds or a few minutes, whatever, and then they took off. So, I mean, they were making a statement back then. They, they, they did this at the most opportune time when they, the nearest base to, to the White House and, and, and the uh, Capitol was closed. So how did they know this? They picked the Capitol as the most, most important city in the world, really, at the time. This is where... All, all the important dignitaries in the world leaders, uh, they come to meet. I mean, they had to know the significance of Washington, D.C. And that's still almost like saying they landed on, on the White House lawn. Yeah, pretty much. It seems like it's not just coincidence that they'd pick D.C., does it? I mean, they could, they could pick anywhere on the planet, but they go to Washington, D.C. Yeah, that, that does seems a little bit beyond coincidental. They didn't pick Paris, London, Moscow, or any of these other major capitals of the, the world, and they came to the United States, to Washington, D.C. But then before that, you got, you got the uh, uh, Los Angeles, uh, L.A. Uh, invasion. Well, that happened in 1942, where this uh, object appeared over L.A., and they launched a barrage of anti-aircraft fire at it, and it, this thing just kind of hung there in the air. A picture appeared in the uh, L.A. Times front page the next day, showed this saucer-like thing and, uh, with nine, eight or nine searchlights focused on it, and you could see the explosion of the shells around the ship. And like it was impervious to the shelling, it, there had to be some direct hits, but apparently didn't work, what was being protected by some kind of a force field. Now, there's stories that it moved away and then went in down in, in, into the Pacific Ocean and was recovered by Navy divers. Um, that's never been substantiated. What about the Phoenix Lights? Because it's kind of a sort of a similar thing there. That do you think that was real or was it just flares? I think that was a, a piece of disinformation. You've got two incidents. The first incident with this large V-shaped craft coming over the the, the city it came was tracked from Henderson, Nevada, all the way down to Tucson, Arizona, where it turned around and headed back north. So people, some people think it came out of Area 51 which is possible, but then two hours later, 
a series of flares were went off from aircraft over supposedly over the Barry Go Border attack range at Luke Air Force Base, which is approximately 30, 35 miles south, southwest of the city. And people, the thing is, uh, when the, the second incident occurred, people were still calling in about the first incident, and there was a lot of confusion as to what was going on until they realized there was two separate events. My impression, uh, the, the, the video that you see of these uh, flares, was uh, the most popular one was taken by Mike Priston from his backyard on the outskirts of uh, Phoenix. And he was uh, videotaping these objects that were probably a good 35 miles away. And supposedly they were in front of the mountains and uh, the people thought they were uh, with the lights on the bottom of another UFO hovering over there. But, uh, but the Maryland Air National Guard had been, uh, they did a, 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 what the hell they call it, a, a, Jesus. They, 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 they were dispatched from uh, 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 Mason, and then and, and, uh, my, my brain's falling apart here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. We were talking about the flares there that were coming down, and I think that it was pretty well you know, shown pretty pretty clearly that there were flares and that they went down behind the range in that video, but that those flares are entirely different than what some other people were describing taking place at the same time in other places. Yeah. Well, the thing is, uh, Davis Montana Air Force Base, Tucson, that's where the uh, Maryland National Guard flew northwest up at the attack range, supposedly at the attack range and moved Air Force Base and dropped these flares, uh, illumination flares. And there's two kind of flares that aircraft, aircraft uh, drop. I mean, there's the flares that they drop to to guide away uh, missiles fired at them from other aircraft. Right. There's count. There's countermeasures, and then there's these illumination flares that light up the ground. And uh, the other the flares that they drop to draw away uh, missiles fired at them, they're dropped in clusters. They last maybe about ten seconds. The illumination flares are attached to parachutes and descend very slowly, and they could last maybe five about five minutes. Now, there was a um, television crew that went to do a documentary on these Phoenix lights. And they took from Kristen's backyard, the one whose uh, video you see the most, with nine lights appearing one by one uh, in a series of V-shaped pattern. And they took a daylight image from the same location and used the focal links on her camera. But it was about the, almost equal to what the, the Kristen's video camera was. So they got the perfect, they matched up an escarpment in the backyard that, Kind of brought everything into focus. They brought it to, to Cognitech Incorporated in California, image processing firm there. Dr. Rudin, I guess, was in charge of the. They did a composite on their on their uh, computers. They matched up the the daylight image with the night video of these flares, and they proved they were flares because they actually disappeared behind different ridges. They, they disappeared in different sequence in which they appeared. And it shows the ridges of the mountain in which they disappeared, where these flares went down, and as they went behind the ridge of the mountain, they disappeared. They're out of sight. So it kind of proves that they were flares. Alan, tell our listeners if they want to know more of what you do. You have a website they can check out? Yeah, it's arroberts.net or alanroberts.net. Either way, you bring it right to the website. And there's also a website the publisher put up, uh, alanroberts.com. So, 
either way and the site is there it's got a little biography of me it's got some reviews from the books that i've written shows all the books that are there you can learn a little bit more about me there how to contact me if you want to discuss anything pertaining to the books where to get the books are available on amazon barnes and noble dot uh, com you can find us on Twitter if you look for The Paracast. Look for The Paracast on Facebook. Check out our branded merchandise at theparacast.shop. We have four different logos, and then you get the T-shirts and the pet beds, the dog beds, and all the other good stuff. Great quality merchandise, theparacast.shop. Also, theparacast.plus, where we offer the After the Paracast podcast. And, of course, Alan will be back to talk further on a variety of subjects. We also offer the Paracast free of the network ads. How about that? And special offer. If you subscribe for five years, we give you a $10 Amazon gift certificate for a lifetime subscription. It's a $20 Amazon gift certificate. Check out the Paracast.plus for more. Alan Roberts, thank you for joining us on the Paracast. Here's all mine. Featuring Gene Steinberg is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast.